Thank you. You may be seated. Good morning. I'm Keaton Paul. I'm one of the pastors here. Merry Christmas Eve. Uh, If you have your Bibles, I would invite you to turn with me this morning to Luke chapter 2. We'll be looking at verses 22 through 38. Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 38. Just a little bit of context of kind of where we are at this point. Um, In redemptive history, where we come to in this passage, uh, Israel has just kind of, we've made it to the end of the Old Testament. There's been centuries now of, uh, of unfaithfulness of God's people and the faithfulness of God and uh, at least the way that the, the Hebrew Bible finishes out, it, it finishes out with this, this very interesting phrase to translate it very literally, and they went up. That's, that's where it finishes. It, there, there's been this anticipation throughout the entirety of the Old Testament that God's people would once again go up and dwell with God in the place of God. Time and again, God has been faithful, but his people haven't. So it ends with that cliffhanger, and they went up. But then there's 400 years of silence. 400 years where the people of Israel are asking the question time and again, generation after generation, Lord, will you be faithful? That's our question this morning as we come to this text. Will God's people be faithful, and will God himself be faithful? We're about to take up and read, but before we do, let us ask for the Lord's help in prayer. Lord, we, your people, come before you now as an unfaithful people in need of a faithful God who feeds his sheep, who binds up the brokenhearted, who unifies the body of Christ. So, Lord, this day we ask that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to know your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hear now the word of our Lord from Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 22. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, This man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms And blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you've prepared 
in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, for a sign that is opposed And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer, night and day, and coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. That is the inerrant, infallible, and inspired word of God. May he add his blessing to the reading and the preaching of it. So our big question as we finish up this Advent series of of questions during Advent, the concluding question is, will you be faithful? And we see faithfulness displayed in a variety of ways, but all of the faithfulness that we see here is ultimately rooted in God's faithfulness. First and foremost, uh, Mary and Joseph's faithfulness. Here they are. Uh, they, They come into Jerusalem. They've just had the child Jesus circumcised, and they are faithful to God's commands. He's been circumcised. They've gone through uh, the, the period of purification according to the law of Moses. Uh, they, they're offering up now sacrifices themselves to the Lord. But most importantly for us to see here, not only have they kept all of these things and been faithful unto the Lord's calling, this last aspect, though, I think is, is exceedingly telling. Verse 23, as it is written in the law of the Lord, Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. There's this, there's this wonderful double entendre there of, of here the Holy One of Yahweh is standing there in the temple himself. He's already holy, but he's also now being devoted to the Lord. So there's, there's this uh, double aspect of, of he's being presented to the Lord, called holy by the Lord, but he's also the Holy One of God himself. And yet, while that's true, maybe sometimes we forget how precious this baby is to Mary and Joseph. They freely give to God what they know to be the Lord's anyway. But they freely give to God that which is most precious to them. See their faithfulness? In devoting this which their heart loves so deeply, They give him to the Lord and say, this is the Lord's child. Do with him as you please. What about us this morning? What what do we devote to the Lord, or do we even devote to the Lord, that which is most precious to us? How do we even know what that which is most precious to us is? It's the very thing that we're most afraid to lose. This time of year especially, it can get tense as we... We feel families slipping through our fingers and precious time zipping away before our very eyes. 
We cling to it and hold it and try to hoard it up for ourselves and we don't let it go. But hear the blessed freedom of giving to the Lord that which is most precious to us. It's here that we're able to say, Lord, do with this as you please. It belongs to you anyway, whether that be our children or time or our spouse or anything else. It's the Lord's to begin with. But rooted in Mary and Joseph's faithfulness is actually their belief and their hope of God's faithfulness. See, see what's really occurred here, this whole subtext of going on. The Lord has, has given them a variety of what we would look at and call strange cleansing rituals. Right? Here you are, uh, you've got to wait eight days, then you circumcise the child, and since it's a male, you've got to wait 33 days after that for a further purification, and then you present them to the temple, and you offer up, uh, in some cases, either uh, you know, a pair of turtle doves or pigeons, or you know, maybe if you're more well-to-do, you can offer a goat uh, if you live uh, on the upper side of things. Um, and, and so you hear, here are all these laws, go and do them. And, and sometimes we get to that, and we're like, oh, how tedious. How tedious the book of Leviticus and, and the laws and Exodus are. But what each of these strange laws are actually pointing to the whole time are screaming for us. God is faithful. From, from the very cauldron which the, the, the priest would have to cleanse themselves of, uh, before they even go in to offer up the sacrifices to the cleansing rituals of circumcision itself, to the, the actual day of atonement, all of these various steps, the very vestments themselves, are crying out as a constant reminder, God is faithful. And all of these things and rituals that are spoken of here are actually pointing forward to something greater. The book of Hebrews, especially chapter 10, says that these, these things, the blood of bulls and goats, forgives no one. But all of those things are, are shadows. And it's here, finally, as the Bible is unfolded before us, God's story of redemption, that all of those tedious rituals of shadow here sits in the temple, the very substance himself. Behold God's faithfulness. The spot where those rituals had been offered up thousands of times, countless steps, all pointing finally to this person and this moment in that place. Behold the faithfulness of God. But next we see uh, another uh, wonderful example of faithfulness. Simeon. Um, Simeon, uh, the text, has a variety of, of things going on with him. He's a righteous and devout man, uh, but Luke, um, Dr. Luke, as it is, as it were, uh, the, the devout here is, is one of Luke's fancy words that he likes to use. He's, he's, you know, it's one of those nice words they teach you when you go to, when you go to Vanderbilt Medical. And, and so he's been there. And, and so with it, uh, it, it appears much more in kind of classical Greek than in biblical Greek, but this devout, it, it has this connotation of, of a, of a cautious waiting. There's this anticipation. He's righteous, there's a, but there's this cautious anticipation, this constancy of showing up 
eagerly awaiting. And that's what the next clause really kind of defines for us. What's he eagerly waiting for? Waiting for the consolation of Israel. Or to translate that word, waiting for the great comfort of Israel. These passages in Isaiah chapter 40 and 66 that God would comfort his people. He's sitting there with those texts, constantly coming up to the temple and waiting. Is today the day that God will comfort his people? And, and namely, being indwelt by the Spirit, he's also this prophet. The Spirit has revealed this, this particular thing to him that he, he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And so here's Simeon's story. While it doesn't say it explicitly, it, there's a lot of allusions here that seem to indicate that, that Simeon's an older guy by this point. He's gone up day after day after day to the temple asking the question, is today the day? Is this the moment that the Messiah arrives? Here's an elderly man who spent his life like our children will tonight, excited to wake up to see what's under the tree. He spent his whole life in that posture, and now suddenly here he stands. The day has arrived. The Christ is here. And so what does he do? He breaks forth into singing. The song that he sings in verses 29 through 32 is uh, a, a regular hymn of the church that has been sung for, for generations. Calvin's Geneva sang it every single week, but it's an integral part of our, our Advent. Because this is the fulfilling moment. This is the grand climactic time. And so what does he say? He sees the Lord's Christ and he says, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace. Do you hear Simeon's faithfulness? He spent his life going up day after day after day, but his commitment in particular, here's the particularity of his faithfulness. He's utterly committed to the Lord's timing. That's a word for us today, isn't it? Day after day after day, waiting for the Lord to send his Christ. And finally, in the Lord's perfect timing, he sends Christ there and now. But he doesn't just stop there with the Lord's timing. He even says, Lord, your timing is perfect and your timing for my death is perfect. Let your servant depart in peace. Have we been antsy with the Lord for things? Maybe we've cried out to the Lord this past year a lot. Lord, how, how long must I endure this loneliness? Lord, when will the darkness finally lift? Jesus, how long? It would be wise for us to learn a lesson from our older brother Simeon, who kept showing up anticipating that the Lord would meet with him today. But notice how, this is how we see God's faithfulness. What's God's grand promise throughout the Bible? It's covenantal formula. I will be your God, you will be my people, I will dwell in your midst. We've seen it before, Emmanuel, God with us. 
But don't miss the triune visitation that's occurring here too. What has happened? The Father has spoken. This promise will happen. Simeon is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. But now, he's holding Emmanuel himself. God has promised he would dwell with his people. And what's happening right here? That he who created the far reaches, galaxy upon galaxy, placed the stars in the heaven and knows them by name and holds them in the very palm of his hand, humbles himself. and comes in the form of a baby in such a fashion that a feeble old man could hold him. Ponder that for just a minute. He who holds the oceans in his hands, says the author of Isaiah, is being held himself by an elderly man. Why? A variety of reasons. But one in particular is just to scream, God is faithful. And it's at that moment that out of this abundance of confidence in God's faithfulness, Simeon's able to say, take me home. I don't know how, Lord, you will raise me up in the last day. I don't know how you'll bring me to resign with you in glory for all eternity. I don't know how you will restore all creation, but God, you are faithful. And I believe you will. So take your servant home. But then finally, we see Anna, sweet Anna. Uh, this prophetess, she's called uh, a daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher. She's advanced in years is a nice way to put it. Our English Standard Version cleans it up. She's, she's one of our senior saints, as we might say here. And, and it even gives a, a, a description. She, she was... Uh, Married for seven years, and then a widow. Uh, there's two ways to translate this. Uh, a widow until she was 84, or every bit is credible in the Greek. You could say she was a widow for 84 years. Uh, and two of uh, the best Luke scholars out there take it to be the latter. And so they say she was probably somewhere in the, the realm of 105. She was very old at this point. But what about her? Here she is, an elderly lady, uh, likely been a, a widow for eight decades. And what has she been doing this whole time? Not departing from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer day and night. What a beautiful picture of faithfulness. That here she is, she, she's a widow, and what does she devote her life to? Worshiping the Lord and praying for his people. And, and here's another interesting thing, too, something to think about. So here she is. She's praying day after day in the temple. She sees Jesus, and what does she do? She gives thanks to God and speaks of him, that is Jesus, to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Here's something else to think about. The first voice to herald 
the name of Jesus from Mount Zion is probably from a voice so old and so ancient and so used up it came out a whisper. And yet, whisper's all it takes with a name like Jesus. But running throughout this whole thing, it's this constancy to, for us to feel a call to. Maybe here you are today and you feel useless. Maybe you're at the point in life where your kids don't need you. Maybe your grandkids don't need you and you feel, what's my point? Here it is. Maybe you don't feel like you have much to do these days, but the church needs you. Uh, famed Old Testament scholar Daniel Block, one of the, the greatest Ezekiel scholars alive today, um, his mom passed away about 15 years ago, and he said that the most devastating part for, for me and all of my siblings after she, had, after she had passed was we got together and we sat there and we, we rejoiced, you know, that here she is with the Lord, but we asked the question, who will pray for us now? We have work to be done. While maybe our bodies are withering away and falling apart, your prayers and your faithfulness and your worship is building up this body here today. But running through Anna's faithfulness, of course, is God's faithfulness. If you were able to sit down and ask Anna, is God faithful? Could you imagine the response you would get? The stories she would tell of how the Lord showed up time after time in faithfulness to her, his servant. How he was faithful to his people time and time again. And how here and now he's faithful in giving and redeeming to the uttermost. Once again, we see the glory, and the beauty of God's faithfulness on display. So the question we return to once more, will God be faithful? Absolutely. He, and great is his faithfulness, who came and gave his son that we would have eternal life and who will surely return in glory to bring his bride, the church, home with him and redeemed new creation and new heavens and a new earth. We give thanks to that God and we march forward knowing that he is faithful and he calls us to be faithful likewise. So let us now go to him in prayer. Father, your servants come before you now like Anna and like Simeon, with shouts of praise upon our lips, O oh Lord, you who are faithful to your people, O oh God, we rejoice. Though we are not as faithful as we should be, Lord, you are faithful to the uttermost. And even now, O oh Lord, as you've sent forth your Son to He's taken on flesh and dwelt among us. You've given us now these elements, O oh Lord, to remind us that you're the God who is with his people. 
that you indwell us by your spirit and you call us to this table, Father, to commune and fellowship with King Jesus by faith through the spirit and glory. And so, Lord, I pray that you would set apart these normal things, that you would call our hearts heavenwards by faith, and that we would fellowship with the risen King, the substance of the whole of your redemptive history, and the climax of it, O Lord, now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.